This is House Hacks for Flipping Stacks, show number eight. Welcome to House Hacks for Flipping Stacks, where we dig into the details of real estate investing and deliver skill-based insights to help you reach the next level. What is going on, everyone? This is your host, Eric Johnson from Shoreside Realty Finance, and we are kicking off episode number eight, uh, the beginning of 2021 here. I hope uh, everyone is off to a great start um, to a new year, albeit a continuation of 2020. So in this episode, we are going to be talking about how to refinance a BIRT deal. So those who are not familiar with the acronym BURR, it's uh, Buy, Rehab, uh, Rent, Refi, and Repeat. So that is just, it's basic investing strategy, you know, where pretty much you find a a house in a good rental neighborhood that needs some work, you fix it up, maybe put, you know, 20, 15 to 20 grand in it, um, and then you rent it out. And then you're going to refi out of that, out of the rehab loan, right, into permanent uh, financing. And ideally, you're going to get cash out, at least half of the cash you put in. Uh, I mean, the best, best case scenario is if you're doing a bird deal and you get all of the cash that you put in because then you can just reinvest it. But one, those deals get harder and harder to find um, and you just will probably not have have the capacity or the deal flow to to kind of like keep that system going. So, um but a lot of investors are okay with just getting half their money back or even a quarter because you still end up with the asset at the end of the day, right? So, in this episode, we're going to talk about how to refinance out of the uh out of the the rehab or out of the short-term loan that most investors get to rehab a property, right? It's a 12-month uh, interest-only bridge loan with some construction funds, um, and and they use that for the short-term um, construction project, right? That's not their long-term debt that they would have in place when, say, a tenant was occupying the property and, and paying rent, right? Because you want a uh, amortizing payment, so paying down principal and interest, and you want the, the best pricing that you can get for whatever your situation is. That being said, I do a lot of these loans and there are a couple of key factors that investors need to keep in mind because they can be a hindrance later on or you know they can cause certain roadblocks that um may or may not lead to an impasse because it's just um there's specific criteria that you need to think about before you go into a bird deal. You know, you can't kind of just go into it willy nilly um, without having the entire exit strategy mapped out, right? So let's start from the very first question you need to ask yourself. And you say, okay, well, I'm going to rehab this property and put $15,000 into it, and then I need to refinance. Um, and then, but I'm going to keep this property as, as a rental. So obviously the exit strategy is to buy and hold. Now, the only thing you're missing is how are you going to refinance that? Are you going to go conventional or are you going to go commercial? Conventional ideally is if you have under 10 loans, 10 Fannie or Freddie loans um, on, on your credit, and you make a decent personal income that's easily verifiable, 
So by that, I mean, you know, W-2 or you have a really established business with um, the tax returns to back it up, et cetera. Um, in, in which case, the, the ideal conclusion is if you bring this deal to a bank, you can reasonably expect to get approved for a loan. So that's what I mean by conventional, right? And by commercial, I kind of mean the opposite. Either you are asset heavy and income poor, or there is just a lot of red tape around the way you earn your income. So for example, entrepreneurs or business owners who have their entity structure a specific way or their tax structure a specific way. Um, I mean, there's plenty of scenario uh, gig workers, for example, that can also be a situation. Uh, I mean, it's easier to buy a rental property as a gig worker than it is to buy a house for your family as a gig worker. A perfect example of this. Um, and you can replace gig worker with like independent contractor as well, because if you're, say, a real estate agent, that's the same thing. You know, you get a, a lot of real estate agents who buy rental properties with commercial loans because it's tough to get a conventional loan. And it's easier to scale an investment portfolio using commercial financing because it's asset based rather than giving the banks all of your, you know, W-2 tax return information and then, you know, making sure that your debt to income ratio, you know, fits the credit box and all this stuff. So those are, you know, that's the first question you need to ask yourself. Conventional has its perks on the pricing side. Um, all, you know, albeit the margin is a little less than if it was owner occupied, right? Like if you want to go conventional on a non-owner occupied loan, it's going to be more expensive than say buying a house for your family to live in and it's your primary residence, right? There's going to be a pricing difference in both rate and and probably just loan costs because investment properties are a lower priority on on the spectrum of uh of financing. So that being said, ask yourself that and determine whether or not you need to go conventional or commercial. Now, assuming that you can go conventional, go talk to a local lender, go talk to a bank, send them all your documents and get pre-approved. It's, it's, it's really that easy. Um, because, but ideally before you buy the, the rental property, right? So before you, you take the rehab loan or, or the construction loan to, to do the repairs that it, you know, the property needs to get it rent ready, go back to them first before you buy it send them all your stuff and then proceed because at that point you will know and you'll have a definitive answer that based on these documents you know you know where you lie on the approval spectrum uh if there's some things you need to fix or there's some things that seem out of line some questions that you know need answering from uh the lenders or banks perspective there's a lot of things that that need to be accounted for now assuming you can't go conventional and you want to go commercial um, since it's asset based, maybe it's a little, uh, I mean, it is less red tape for sure. Um, you, there's a couple questions to ask yourself um, as a follow up. So once you make the decision conventional or commercial, so now let's say you've gone the commercial route, you say, okay, well, I need commercial because my situation is such that this is the most viable and efficient way for me to complete this project. 
one, the first thing is ownership seasoning. That's a that's a problem that I run into often is a lot of investors want to refinance as soon as their rehab project is over, which is usually about 90 days, right? I mean, a three-month rehab is, is pretty typical. Um, the only problem with that is seasoning is six months to capture full market value. So if a core principle of your strategy is recapturing all that money, then you're going to have to wait at least six months. So just pay the interest on the rehab loan for three extra months. I mean, you can still get a tenant in there and and use that money to pay the rehab loan. It's not like it's preventing you from doing anything. So just pay that for three months and then go back and ask for LTV. Um, because if you refinance before six months, it's going to be based off of LTC, which is loan cost. And that's the actual price you paid for the property plus the dollar amount you spent in rehab, right? So if you bought the property for 90 and you put 20 into it, you're into the deal 110, right? So that's your cost. And um, But say the property is actually worth a market value of 160,000, right? So you want to lend on the 160 and not the 110. And the way you do that is with the seasoning, right? And just again, the three extra months, it's really, it's not a big deal. It, it kind of slows down the process, I guess, if, if you have limited access to, to liquidity um, to keep the deal flow going. But otherwise, it's, it's not that much of a roadblock. Still something you need to think about. FICO score. Yes, there is a minimum FICO score for commercial deals. Just because they're commercial doesn't mean that there's no FICO requirement, right? It's not ultra hard money. Um, Shoreside specifically has a minimum FICO of 680 for all rental loans. So if you're not even a 680, then I, you know, there's nothing really to talk about. So, you know, let's say you have a score of 665 and you're like, hey, I'm going to rehab this and then um, rent it out and refinance it. Well, you're going to run into a problem there um, because 680 is the minimum score. Can you find places that may accept lower? Sure. Will you pay more? Probably. So it's just one of those things that you will have to navigate. I would say, though, if you have a 680 and above, it's probably pretty safe. So um, the next criteria is the debt coverage ratio. So this is important because this is the main qualifying ratio to um, to actually qualify an asset for financing. And the main ratio is 1.2. And the debt cover is, uh, as discussed in previous episodes, the gross rents divided by the PITI payment, right? So if that doesn't cover at least uh, 1.2, so 120% of your PITI, the, and I'm talking about the gross monthly rents here, then the property doesn't qualify for financing. So that's a thing you, as an investor, need to be aware of saying, hey, this property is going to throw off $1,200 a month in gross monthly rents. My PITI can be no more than $1,000 because if it is, I cannot get long-term financing on this deal. And that's why it is an important criteria to consider. The fourth is appraisals. So there is still an appraisal required. So it still does take time. Um, it's Again, these aren't no-doc loans. The only thing that's not being underwritten is the personal income. It's it's still being fully underwritten in terms of the stability 
of and the validity of its market value of the condition, whether or not the property is actually rented because uh, leases and occupancy are verified. So that's another thing to to just keep in mind. Um, usually appraisals aren't aren't that big of an issue unless there's a huge discrepancy in in value, which honestly um, doesn't come up too much. If it does, you can. Um, and and I've actually appealed appraisals before and got values bumped up, you know, by about ten to twenty thousand here and there, depending on how much it affects the loan. Um, that can be an issue, or or it may not. The uh, next thing to consider is small loans under seventy five thousand dollars. So if you are an investor and let's say you buy a property for 50, put 20 into it, you're in the deal 70, it's worth 90. You wait the six months and go, okay, well now I want to refi at the 90K market value. That probably won't work because for most commercial loans on one to four unit investment properties, it's $75,000. This is pretty much an industry standard except for maybe a couple cases here and there, um, maybe some exceptions. Um, but your price is probably going to be higher in terms of interest rate and origination if it is if you do find someone who will go uh below 75,000 shoreside does 75,000 that's our hard minimum uh for any loan to be originated on our platform and that can be a problem because again if you don't hit that you know 100 you so pretty much you need 100k market value at 75 LTV to be able to get that loan to where it needs to be. Now, let's say you have a 690 credit score and your property's worth 100. Well, your LTV might be uh, reduced. It might be capped based on the debt coverage ratio. So maybe the property isn't producing enough income and maybe you bought in an area where the property taxes are too high. Now you don't have the DCR. So now it's it's totally not feasible. So all of these things kind of bounce off each other. Your FICO, your DCR, and the loan amount all interplay um, to to work out a scenario and to work out a deal that is actually financeable. And the last is rural areas can be a problem. Never um, never say never because uh, I do have investors who who buy in in some smaller areas usually if there's there's highways and uh infrastructure then it should be okay but if you are an investor who is you know maybe in the midwest or something and and investing in those tertiary markets maybe just give that a second thought and and run the address by some people before you go into the deal and then you'll know for sure but i, I would say it's not a totally common um problem but as long as you get the the FICO, the DCR, and the loan amount to line up to where it makes sense, and then and then uh, consequently LTV is is a part of that, um, right? Because if you can only get seventy percent LTV on a one hundred thousand dollar value, you're not meeting the minimum loan amount, and DCR is the one that limits LTV, right? Because you need a for for the property to debt cover. To meet the 1.2 ratio, you need to reduce the loan amount, right? Dollars being lent means the less principal there is, in, less principal and interest there is to to repay. So the monthly payment of the principal and interest goes down, which helps bring PITI down since principal and interest is the first two letters of that. And that's what happens when when you kind of get into these scenarios, right? And 
these are criteria that you need to analyze and make sure that they line up and you have a financeable um, uh, deal and or asset. So if you follow these guidelines and these rules, it should be you should be well on your way to to refinancing your rental deals um, without too much of a hitch. Um, and you shouldn't run into too many roadblocks if you think about these things beforehand because many investors go into it again and they kind of just gloss over these issues, but it's a little more complicated than that. Remember, ask yourself, conventional or commercial? Then if commercial, you need to worry about seasoning, your FICO, the DCR, and the loan amount, um, and also potentially location, again, if you're investing in like tertiary markets. So that is it for uh, this episode. Um, for uh, house hacks for flipping stacks. I hope this got, uh, this information will help you guys in any deals that you do um, have going on right now or any deals you do in the future. If you guys want to reach out and uh, you know connect with me, my email is eric, E-R-I-C, at shoresidefinance.com. Uh, and you can also find us on the web, www.shoresidefinance.com. Um, I'm happy to help with any scenarios or just provide any insights um, that I can. So again, that is it for uh, episode number eight of House Hacks for Flipping Stacks, and I will catch you guys in the next episode.